As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to the Guys in Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I've got Rob on the phone, and this is going to be probably the saddest podcast since we, well, we didn't have a podcast when we lost to UMBC. So this might be the saddest podcast that we've ever recorded. Um, but besides that, Rob, how are you doing? Not sports-wise, just in general. Just in general, I'm doing fantastic. Good. Um, but I was telling you before we started recording, I'm pretty sure this is all my fault because <laughs> I I was saying how life was good last week and we won four football games in a row. We recorded last week before we canceled Michigan State. Mm-hmm. We're recording on Tuesday tonight. We just found out from our friend John Rothstein that probably not going to play Villanova on Saturday. So it's a rough stretch, man, sports-wise. And then obviously the Tech game. So it's it's been rough. <laughs> in the UVA world. You know, maybe we shouldn't record on Tuesdays. I think that's our problem. I think we got to go back to the Sunday recordings. Man, I mean, maybe, dude, we got to get out of this funk because this is not pretty what we got ourselves into no, this the, week. The funk is bad. The funk is bad. And we're going to get into the funk and we're going to talk about football and everything football. We're going to talk about basketball, like what's left of it. And we're going to get into all of that. But first, we want to talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads to in totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm gonna punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. (laughs) That's absurd. We're going to start with football because I think, I mean, that's the most recent game we've had and basketball, there's no news besides the fact that we're just not playing anymore, I guess, for now. So let's start with football. And I think, I don't, I think football is definitely more painful than basketball right now, for me, at least just because of the way we lost and also who we lost to. And um, I want to break it all down with my good friend, Rob. And Rob, I want to start off with asking you, going into the game, how did you feel? I know that we refrain from making predictions on this podcast due to um, past events. However, um, we each have our personal feelings. How did you feel going into the game 
on Saturday? You know, going into the game, I thought it was really a toss-up. I thought UVA was probably the better team, but at the same time, we kind of knew what Virginia Tech uh, does to us when we play them. They always play us close, even when we should beat them. They Mm -hmm. play us close. So going into the game, I thought it was a toss-up. I thought it was going to be pretty high-scoring. Um, I thought Virginia would be able to move the ball at will. And honestly, I thought Tech probably would too. Um, but man, I mean, it was just so disheartening to see what happened. I mean, how how did this game play out to your expectations? Well, so like just like you, I thought it was going to be a close game. I thought it would be pretty offensive. Like there, there'd be a lot of offense in this game. I didn't know it would be offensive, meaning like it was bad to watch. I didn't like watching it. I had a bad time. There was nothing really fun. The only fun thing, we should have stopped the game, stopped the count right after <laughs> seven and three. Like we, we were up seven to three. We just had a great 75 yard drive. Brennan had a great touchdown to Keaton Thompson. And I don't know where that team went. I, I feel like we just kind of disappeared after that. I mean, the defense was never going to be holding tech back that much. And the offense should have been playing better and I just don't know where the fire went I felt like the fire went out and I don't know why yeah I totally feel that and you know Virginia announces right after the game or I guess it was Sunday that they weren't going to a bowl game that they were going to decline a bowl invite so you know part of you wonders you know did this team potentially check out a bit before the game just knowing this was the last game or you know were they just mentally exhausted, which, you know, is of course totally understandable. I think Virginia has been taking COVID more seriously than other schools have. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. Something was just off. I don't really know what it is. And, you know, the most frustrating thing is that it happened against Tech. And I also think it's really interesting, too, that UVA, um, the only game they lost at home was the game where Brennan Armstrong got hurt against NC State. But they were 0-4 on the road this season. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's no fans. So you wouldn't think there'd be that much of a home field advantage. But maybe there is just due to COVID and how that all works um, with the traveling teams. So tough to say. But, yeah, man, this is it's just disheartening. And especially against Tech. This is the one game out of the year that, you know, means more than the other games. And, you know, for as bad as it's been in Blacksburg relative to their expectations the past few years, Justin Fuente is four and one against Bronco and UVA. So, you know, certainly something's not right in how, you know, we're approaching this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want to say, um, that I, I like what you're saying about the away games. And I think it's really interesting, but I want to take a look at the away games that we had this year. So we played Clemson away. We played wake away. We played Miami away and we played tech away. The tech game, we haven't won in there. And I think, 20 years or so they said on the broadcast 98 98, yeah so 22 years um miami had more fans than most other schools they had about 10,000 fans in attendance there so i mean that's not nothing i i don't i mean that's more than other schools had and honestly i feel like if you have if you're comparing like no fans at scott stadium to 10,000 fans in miami i feel like it's going to be a little bit you know, worse. Um, the Clemson game, Clemson had fans there, and also that we were playing Clemson, they had about eighteen thousand fans, nineteen thousand fans. 
watching that game in Death Valley and the Wake Forest game, there wasn't actually that many fans there. There was about um, 2,000 um, against Wake Forest, but you know, there's still some fans there. So all the teams that we played, except for Tech, the three other teams, had at least some fans in attendance. And so I just, I feel like, you know, that has, that doesn't have a lot to do with it, but also a lot of those teams were really difficult. You know, Tech, we play every year. We always have difficulty with them. Clemson is going to be um, probably beating Notre Dame this weekend and then making it to the playoffs again. Miami was a really good team this year. Wake was a sneaky good team, but we didn't have our quarterback. So, I mean, it makes sense that we lost all those games. It just, you know, kind of disheartening going back to losing all of our away games, kind of like during the early early uh london or the late london years yeah what with mike london we went like four years or something without winning a road game yeah because in broncos Uh, broncos first year we won our first road game and i feel like it was like four seasons or something yeah it was it was that duke game i believe um with the jordan max sack Mm -hmm. yeah but you know i think that's really interesting and i think just the quality of those opponents skew it a little bit as well um obviously miami and clemson were good teams although i think we had a much better chance to win against miami um you know if brennan armstrong hadn't been hurt Mm -hmm. so you know it just kind of is what it is in that sense but you know bringing this back to virginia tech at the end of the day you know it was just such a weird game and I just don't totally understand why we weren't ready to go. I really don't understand whatever Robert and I was trying to do that game. I mean, we have been dealing with limitations on offense all season. You know, we don't have really a dynamic number one running back. Uh, We have Billy Kemp, who is a solid kind of slot possession receiver, but no real game breakers at receiver. And we had schemed around that. And, you know, they had done that with creative run plays, creative play action, trick plays. And, you know, we were heavily skewed towards running the ball. Most of the past few games, we've almost doubled or more than doubled our rushing attempts compared to passing attempts. And, you know, we come out with this game plan against Virginia Tech that, you know, just makes no sense. We're not running the ball except for Brennan Armstrong between Shane Simpson, Wayne Talapapa, and Keaton Thompson. Each of them had two carries. And then Brennan had 15. So our pass attempts were skewed 47 to um, uh, 21 rush attempts. I just don't know what was happening on offense. And then defense, you know, we, again, dealing with limitations, especially in the secondary. But, you know, at times we just straight up looked lazy going after tackles. Our fits were all over the place. I didn't understand our D-line rotation. I mean, we were all out of sync. And I don't know if the coaches were in their own heads. I don't know if the coaches were in the players heads i don't know but it's just something that came really so out of the blue not so much the loss itself but the way it happened and especially compared to the past four games well let's take a look at the offense because i feel like a lot of the blame has to be on the offense we i think i think i expected i think a lot of people might have expected that that the defense was going to have some issues especially considering snowden being out especially considering you know losing some of our key players over the course of the year and so I think the the defense was kind of, you know, had excuses. The offense, however, I really felt was kind of hitting its stride, uh, especially last week against uh, Boston College. You know, we have 
Brennan Armstrong as the true quarterback, throwing for 287 yards and rushing for 130 with two touchdowns. Uh, Keaton Thompson with nine rushes for 86 yards and two touchdowns. I just there's really no excuse not to run the ball more, and I know that Tech has a better defense than Boston College does. I know that uh, Tech always has a stout front seven, and they played really well, but you know, we didn't really give our runners a chance. I mean, Brennan had 15 carries for 23 yards as a 1.5 average, no touchdowns. Um, Keaton Thompson had two carries for two yards. And that's ridiculous. When, when you have a guy rushing for almost 10 yards of carry one week and you give him two carries the next week, I just, there's no, I don't understand the scheming behind it because clearly Brennan was off most of the night with his throws. He he missed 21 throws. He had uh, 259 yards, but only averaged 5.6 yards per pass, two touchdowns, and two pretty bad interceptions to go along with that. I just don't see why we don't run the ball more in this situation. Yeah, I mean, especially considering, honestly, maybe the strength of the offense was the offensive line. Yeah. You know, and then you look at, just, you know, extremely, extremely small sample size. But Shane Simpson had two really good runs. His two carries went for 22 yards. Mm-hmm. Wayne had two carries for um, eight yards, although one of those was kind of a weird third down play. Um, and Keaton Thompson, in his defense, I it was either the second or third quarter. He got that big hit. Looks mm-hmm. like he broke some ribs just based on um, his Twitter post. Yeah. But Listen, I mean, the offensive game plan was we're going to run Brennan Armstrong. And Tech was saying, hey, listen, like Bryce Perkins ran for 164 yards against us last year. We're not getting fooled again. And when they shut down the Brennan Armstrong run, there was nothing left. We didn't hand it to our backs. Our receiving game, our routes were strange. I wasn't totally following what we were trying to do. It just made no sense. I mean, I think this is easily the worst called game from Robert and I this season, you know, maybe the worst offensive showing since you and I were talking about this, maybe since Miami last year mm-hmm. when we scored like nine points or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, it was just really, really bad. I have no idea what was going through their heads and their inability to adjust was just terrible. It was just an awful look on the offensive staff's part. I do want to say I, I did forget Keaton Thompson was knocked out of the game. Uh, so I apologize for criticizing him, but like otherwise, like Shane Simpson, you're right. Two carries for 22 yards. I mean, if you're, if you're averaging that, you got to do it more. You like, you got to run that more. And Brennan, I know a couple times in the first half, I don't remember as much in the second half, but there's a couple read options he had where he kept it, where it looks like he should have pitched it or handed it off to the running back. Like, it looks like he just wasn't reading the defense that well. You know, Brennan is the past couple of weeks he's been almost a shoe in for kind of a questionable interception once a game. Mm-hmm. And in the third quarter, when we finally score a touchdown, we get the two point conversion, it's 15 to 30. It looks like, Hey, you know, if we're going to pull anything together, you know, now's probably the time there's a really bad interception. Um, and then the, his second interception late in the fourth quarter just kind of is what it is. They were pushing the deal as they had to. Brennan Armstrong certainly didn't play the best game in the world. Um, but no one on the team played the best game in the world. And I think when you look at that, when you look at a game plan that really wasn't effective, a team that wasn't able to adapt as the game went on, I think it does fall on 
Robert and I and this offensive coaching staff. And, you know, Tech, I mean, they gave up 47 points to Pittsburgh and we can only get 15. I mean, I'm just not following this. And I think it's more mental than it is anything else. I agree. I agree. So do you do you put this on the coaching staff? Is, is this more Anai or Bronco or is this just the players not doing what they need to do to mentally prepare for this game. I mean, we're seeing, you know, going back to Armstrong, I know he's young, he's a sophomore quarterback, but, you know, he's throwing the ball at Lavelle Davis's feet. He's made made that interception where they're really, in the third quarter, there really was no one for, I think, about 10 yards around the um, defender. And, you know, you can say, well, whoever he... he you know, maybe Lavelle Davis was supposed to be in that area, but like there, there was just no one there and there was no one there. There's a lot of green and a lot of maroon and no blue. So I just, it's just really frustrating to see a game like Boston college where we played so well and the offense executed so well to go to this game where the offense really, um, does the worst I've seen in a long time. Certainly. And, you know, kind of a high-level topic I do want to bring up is just how this impacts your view of the season. Because I'll give you my two cents right here. Uh, it really sucks. <laughs> First mm-hmm. off, it it really sucks losing attack, losing attack this way. You know, it's easy to just get caught up in that. Now, I don't want to sound like I do like Bronco as a coach. I don't want to sound like a huge Bronco defender here, but. Let's take this season in what would be somewhat normal circumstances. You have four non-conference games. Virginia normally schedules two to three cupcakes, if you will, in those games. Um, so Virginia probably would go. I don't. I should have <laughs> old schedule up in front of me. But say Virginia goes three and one non-conference, they have their five hundred um, record in conference. You know, we finish five and five on the season. Let's say that five hundred record holds. You know, this is probably a seven and five team and a normal twelve mm-hmm. game schedule. This is probably a seven and five team. So yeah, it ends that unbroken growth streak. We kind of knew that was gonna end with losing all the stars we did last year. But, you know, I think we should view that this season in that context a bit. And, you know, some of those losses came without our starting quarterback. And, you know, not to mention this was the first year for our starting quarterback. So, you know, taking it in that context, I think this season was about what we expected. I think it had the potential to kind of exceed what we expected had we had beaten Tech, you know, ending the season on a five-game winning streak. But all in all, frustrating end, but about what we expected. So that's my two cents. How do you kind of frame this season? Dude, I was going to say the exact same thing. I mean, we we even predicted when we did our predictions this year, I, I don't remember if we, we said six and six or seven and five, but it was close to that because we we knew this team was losing a lot we we really thought that the offense was going to struggle at first and then kind of find its way into Brennan you know we had some some really good players emerge you know Keaton Thompson was a really nice surprise as a you know kind of a running back quarterback hybrid and then also Lavelle Davis was just an amazing um, revelation for the few games that he played in Uh, Shane Simpson was really good when when he started to kind of pick up speed towards the end of the year and, you know, of course, our defense, kind of similar to last year, really caught the injury bug. We had a lot of injured players. Some stars got injured. Once again, probably our best, um, you, you could argue our best defender gets injured out for the season again this year. You know, last year with 
Bryce Hall this year with uh, Snowden. So I think there's an argument to be made that we have had bad luck on defense these past couple years with our players catching the injury bug. I want to go back to what you're talking about also with the kind of the standings and where we fall in a normal season. You know, if we go seven and five, um, a lot of times we're going to have a couple, couple cupcakes on the schedule. So this year we had Albie and Christian. We were also supposed to play William and Mary uh, to start the year. Um, now let's say it was William and Mary, right? I believe so. Yeah. So let's say that we play William and Mary. Let's say we beat them. And let's say we also play that Florida State game that got canceled. So that would be a 7-5 and five season, hopefully. I mean, we we were assuming we'd beat Florida State. Florida State seemed to give up on the season. They were really kind of down and out at that point. I really feel like we could have beaten them down in Tallahassee. Um, but if also, if you look at just the overall schedule, we came in ninth in the ACC. Now, we were predicted to come in dead last out of all 15 teams, including Notre Dame, in the ACC this season. So I would say, based off of that, it's a positive because we um, did better than expectations. If you look at it from just coastal teams, so we've got Miami, UNC, and Virginia Tech ahead of us. So we would have come in fourth in the coastal this season, um, which is about halfway. It's on the worst side of halfway, but it's about halfway in the coastal. So, I mean, it's not like an awful season. It's just, I think with COVID, you know, canceling so many games, I think with losing to tech, like we did, it's just leaving a bad taste in my mouth. And I think that there's a lot to grow on from this season. You know, we've got some really good players coming up. Um, we've got Nick Jackson, who was a stud this season. We've got um, Noah Taylor, who has one more year. We've got Brendan Armstrong, who's got a couple more years. We've got Lavelle Davis, who's got a couple more years at least. So I'm really excited to see where this team goes next year, especially. And, you know, I I think if we look back on the season again next year, we're going to feel a lot better about it because right now it's really difficult to look back based on how we know it ended because we're still we're still suffering like I'm suffering I hate (laughs) I hate losing to tech and it's just like there's just no there's no light right now but give it a couple months we'll be fine and we'll look back we'll say you know that wasn't as bad of a year as it could have been yeah so also just pulling up our old schedule it took me forever to find what our original 2020 schedule was our non-conference purged it you know yeah, <laughs> our non-conference slate would have been VMI, UConn. Um, obviously, we opened the season against Georgia and Old Dominion. So I would have so, felt pretty good about going three and one. So no William and Mary. So no, no William and Mary. <laughs> I don't know where I pulled that from. I'm sorry. I heard William and Mary, and I was like, yeah, well, wait. I, I remember VMI. <laughs> it was some Virginia um, school. I wasn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. I should have looked that up. <laughs> No, nah, I mean, I, <laughs> we both shut up. That's okay. Um, point still stands. But, yeah, you know, I think you do bring up a good kind of transition here because starting to look ahead to next year, um, you know, like I said, we're recording this on Tuesday night. Two big storylines that we're following as far as next year goes. One is Bronco's statement the other day that he says somewhere between five to seven seniors who he thinks or who he said had a significant role on this past year's team are expecting to return. So that's, you know, quite frankly, pretty interesting. And then 
Second, uh, early signing period starts tomorrow. So Virginia right now has 24 commitments in that class. We'll see how many of them sign tomorrow. Hopefully most, if not all of them, do. Um, but let's start with seniors returning. Like we've said all year, the season did not count towards eligibility. There's going to be a one-time exception next year on scholarship limits. So seniors can return if they want to. Broncos says 5-7 are returning. I guess my question to you, Dustin, is how do you feel about that? And, you know, any guys that you want to see in particular return to next year's team? I mean, it's really tough. You know, it's tough to say because, you know, we we could get in the situation where there's a scholarship kind of overload. And the NCAA has not said anything about what they're going to do if, if a lot of players stay and what teams are supposed to do if they don't have enough scholarships for all these people. So it's just, it's just going to create a lot of problems, I think, if too many players stay. Now, granted, I think that some of the players who, you know, are seniors are probably going to want to go, you know, like Charles Snowden is probably ready for the NFL at this point. Um, if he, if he decides to go, test the draft waters now some of the other ones you know there's some interesting you know ideas about who could stay or who might you know who might not so we've got seniors on defense um like zane zandier nick grant um we've got seniors on offense uh polgen and shane simpson have already said that they're not staying but um, you know, Terrell Jana is on offense. You know, if he stayed, that would be, uh, you know, a really good thing because we're kind of thin on wide receivers. If he leaves, we have Billy Kemp, but besides him, and of course we've got seniors on special teams. We've got Nash Griffin, who's a senior, um, who's been really solid as a punter. And of course had a really nice pass to, um, was it Nick Jackson who got the pass on? Yeah, it was Nick Jackson. And Brian Delaney, who of course it has been pretty solid over the past couple of years, but did miss a field goal against uh tech that, that kind of, um, what am I saying? Short field goal. There we go. Against yeah, tech. Kind of looked good on TV too. It did look like it really looked like it went right over the post. I'm surprised they didn't look at it a little bit longer, but the refs seemed pretty. And based on the reaction of the players, it seemed like it was pretty clear that it didn't go through. So I guess it's just a weird angle. I mean, I remember, so speaking of that, I remember a couple years ago, this was a long time ago. It was in the early 2000s. We were playing at UNC and there's a field goal that we kicked and the refs initially said it did not go through, but Algro challenged it. This was the Algro years and it, on replay, it clearly went through the, the goalpost. So it was a weird situation where the, the ball, the refs didn't really look at where the ball was because it was kind of near one of the refs. So he like ducked out of the way and just said it was no good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, strange times, but yeah, I, I didn't, I don't, I couldn't tell. I mean, do you, do you have any like clue about who could stay or who might go? Like is Lindell stone staying for another year? <laughs> well, I mean, technically Lindell stone still has another year of eligibility left if he wants it. Mm-hmm. Um, Although I kind of would be surprised to see him stay, right. especially considering we're bringing in two quarterbacks in this class. And he's uh-huh. kind of said coaching is his passion anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like you said, some guys have already said they're not coming back. You know, Shane Simpson has announced he's declaring to, for the draft. Um, 
you know, I'm trying to think the other guys. Tony Poljan has said he's not coming back. D'Angelo Amos has said he's not coming back. Um, Matt Gam has said he's not coming back. We know Nash Griffin deferred a job offer once. I doubt he'd do it twice, so mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if Nash Griffin came back. So there's a couple that we can certainly rule out. I think the next kind of criteria um, to as just somewhat of a blanket rule is the guys who redshirted a season are less likely to come back than guys who did not redshirt a season. Mm-hmm. Um, so you take that into account as well. Uh, and then you just kind of have to read the tea leaves a bit. Um, and, you know, just based on kind of message board chatter, you know, guys that it seems like have a chance of coming back. Apparently Rashawn Henry has indicated he'd be interested in coming back for another year. He kind of came on strong towards the latter half of this season. Could be good for depth purposes if he came back. You know, Terrell Jaina, senior, you know, I, I think we found out this year he's not a number one receiver, but I think if, you know, you have a number two, two, number three, number four receivers, you know, Jana, Kemp, and that mix, I think that's a pretty good duo. Mm-hmm. Defensively, uh, Mandy Alonzo and Joey Blunt are super close, so neither of them redshirted. I could see them as candidates to come back. Um, Elliot Brown did not redshirt, you know, potentially – uh, fighting for a starting job next year opposite Noah Taylor. I can see him coming back. You know, Adib Atawaya, he's on the defensive line, JMU transfer. I've heard rumors that maybe he'd consider coming back. Same with Chris Glazer on the offensive line. So, yeah, we have ideas. You know, Broncos has five to seven people with pretty significant roles. So you definitely have ideas. You know, in the secondary, you know, you look at the cornerbacks, Nick Grant, Devontae Cross, both of them redshirted. So honestly, I'd kind of be surprised to see them come back. Same with Brendan Nelson. He redshirted and has been battling injuries. So I'm sure we'll find out soon enough. Broncos said he was having those conversations this week. Um, so we'll see. And I guess my biggest question to you, my biggest concern, if you will, with it is just how does this affect the development of the players behind them on the depth chart? You know, it's one thing if it's a position of need, and you need to bring a guy back kind of like how our wide receiver room is, you know, a lot of unproven players in there right now, but it's another thing if we're bringing back linebackers, you know, like for example, if we were to say Zane Zantier returns, we have a lot of talented linebackers on this roster. Um, So how would we feel about that? You know, that's my biggest question here. You know, it's good to, it's going to create kind of a bubble and an education, you know, I've been kind of thinking about, you know, the kids that have, been learning online this year there's going to be kind of a bubble with them as they go through the school system because they're not going to know certain things i know for like teachers are trying their best but it's just like not possible to teach kids at the same kind of level and kind of excellent expect the same kind of excellency as we as you would teaching in person and so i feel like we're going to get kind of a bubble with football as well because you're gonna you're you're talking about you know, an incoming class of freshmen, you're going to have some football players who are, you know, 25, 26 on some football teams. And there's going to be, it's going to create a lot of transfers of younger players who thought they would get a chance who are now no longer able to play because someone ahead of them is just, you know, better. And they've been there for four or five years already. And that's kind of weird. You know, you're going to, you're going to get some players who, declare for the draft early because they feel like they don't they don't have a shot on their team so they might as well try and get drafted by someone I think it's just going to create a weird situation where there's a lot more players than normal 
and teams and the NCAA really has not said how they're going to deal with that. They, they once again, haven't said that they're going to give extra scholarships out. They haven't said that, you know, they're going to even allow teams to have extra scholarships or, you know, to keep the same amount of guys on a team. So it's just going to be a strange time for a lot of teams, not probably not some of the bigger teams, but I'm, I'm more worried about some of the smaller schools where, you know, kids are trying to, you know, finish degrees or, you know, prove something. And I think that's just going to lot it's going to leave a lot of people out, which is unfortunate. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't think any of this is official yet. I think the expectation is there's going to be a one-time scholarship, um, you know, cap. They're going to extend it basically. So football is 85 scholarships. I think they're still going to have the rules where, you know, I think it's 25 people a year is the max you're allowed to bring in between recruits and transfers, Mm -hmm. which of course gets manipulated with early enrollments and what have you. But I think that's going to stay the same as just the scholarship limit is going to increase for one season. So we'll see how it goes, but you know, it ultimately falls on the school to, you know, keep funding those scholarships if they want to have extra people next year. So like you said, I mean, it's certainly going to hurt some of the smaller schools and schools with lesser budgets. Um, I think really just the most interesting thing here with UVA is, you know, depending on who does come back, how does it affect just the growth of these players? You know, I use Zane Sandier as an example because, you know, the offseason battle I was kind of intrigued by is, you know, presumably if he were to graduate, I think we'd have a great offseason battle between Josh Ahern and Hunter Stewart for that other inside linebacker position. Mm-hmm. But if Zane Sandier comes back, you know, does he just shoe into that slot or do they intentionally kind of limit his snap count? You know, I think it's just going to create some very interesting situations and, you know, COVID has obviously created some very interesting situations already, um, just with this season in general. And basketball, you know, is a whole other story as well. But it's just going to be super interesting and kind of unprecedented. So um, just something I'm eager to kind of see how it plays out. Yeah, it's going to be weird, especially I think there's a lot of positions on defense where there's some younger guys waiting, but, you know, there's some also some older guys that if they stayed would, I think, would just definitely step back into that role that they did this season. I mean, Zane Zandier is a great example. I think that another place that we might see um, that this wouldn't really apply maybe is on the offensive line. You know, we've got a lot of younger guys on the offensive line, uh, a lot of juniors and sophomores there who played a lot this season. So I feel like if someone stayed on the offensive line, for example, it would cause some problems. I, I just, I think really would matter the most in the secondary in the defensive secondary and the uh, linebackers. I think those are the two positions that would really kind of struggle with identity if someone stayed longer than they were not supposed to, but longer than they were meant to. Yeah. And I mean, like talk about Joey Blunt, let's say he sticks around, you know, I think that could be great considering I think our secondary depth is at best very thin. Um, So, you know, that could be a good thing, honestly, but you know, you also have to kind of balance that when you look at a Donovan Johnson or, you know, Antonio Clary, two guys that are looking to step up into roles there. You know, Elijah Gaines was recruited as a safety, got moved to corner during the season. You know, if Joey Blunt stays at safety, does that mean Elijah Gaines stays at corner when maybe his best position is safety? I don't know. It's just really interesting to think about um, as far as how we do that. But, you know, with that said, you know, we talk about the guys that, left or the guys 
that were on the team that might stick around. You know, talk about the incoming guys. Uh, so National Signing Day, the early period starts tomorrow. So Virginia currently has a pretty strong class of recruits here. So figured if it was okay with you, Dustin, just dive into a couple of these recruits because I am excited about this incoming class. Let's let's dive in. Tell me about these recruits, Rob. <laughs> I don't know anything about um, these recruits. No, the, I so I started following recruiting probably like a year and a half ago, and I got way too caught up in it. I love following recruiting now. Mm-hmm. Um, so Virginia has 24 commits right now. Um, 23 are in high school, and then you have Lawrence Terry, who's doing a gap year at um, Fork Union. So it looks like he's going to sign as well. So all in UVA has 24 players that are looking to sign. Um, some of these guys will enroll early. We've kind of got some early indications on who might, but we'll see how many enroll early. But yeah, I mean, this is a class that's good. You know, it's it's higher up on the rankings. It's ranked 28th nationally, according to 24-7 right now, um, just due to the number of commits. Um, it's also ranked fifth in the ACC. But look, it's got some top-end talent and Bryce Carter on the defensive line, Logan Taylor on the offensive line. Josh McCarron at outside linebacker, but you know, it also just has some really exciting players, you know, guys that I think are really high upside at linebacker, you know, we're bringing in two quarterbacks and Jay Wolfock and um, Jacob Rodriguez. I think it's a really intriguing class. So I think the thing to follow tomorrow being Wednesday is do all of these guys actually commit, you know, with Wes Weeks, he got a Stanford offer. Now there's kind of rumors that Georgia tech is lurking around. You know, I think that's the biggest storyline right now is just making sure all of these guys sign. So that's one thing I'm really intrigued for. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, do are, are there going to be any recruits around the country who don't sign somewhere because they're afraid of someone staying? I think that's going to be a weird kind of situation. Like, do you do you think that might happen anywhere? Uh, as far as coaching staffs go? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, schools do their best to get out in front of that. You know, I don't think it's any coincidence that Virginia Tech had their press conference announcing that Justin Puente was going to stay, you know, today, mm-hmm. um, right before the early signing period starts. So I I think it all kind of is interconnected there. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's schools where that could play a role. Um, you know, if I'm a recruit, I'm certainly not looking to commit to a school where I don't know who the coach is going to be or what type of coach he's going to be, what have you. So I certainly think that plays a role. Yeah, I think it'll just be interesting. And, you know, you said that this class has a lot of really high level players in it. I'm excited to see, you know, where they go. I I wish, you know, just based on you know what we've seen this year, I feel like kind of the places where the staff has really done well in recruiting is on the is in the trenches on the defensive front and the offensive line. We've got a lot of guys who have been here for a long time. They've developed really well. I mean, look at uh, Swoboda, for example. You know, last year he was just a pretty unplayable in some situations. But this year, you know, he's named Offensive Lineman of the Week uh, a couple weeks ago. So he's been doing really well. I think that this coaching staff does a great job with the trenches. However, it's kind of on the outsides that I want to see this coaching staff find some more talent um the wide receivers we have some good ones but we've also had some that just you know don't always pan out and our cornerbacks a lot of them have gotten hurt in the past seasons and that has nothing to do with recruiting but i just i hope that they find some good 
secondary players to replace the ones we've lost. You know, you think back to Juan Thornhill, you think back to Bryce Hall. Those are some really top level players that are now playing the NFL. Is there anyone that we can get from this class that you think could make it to the next level? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting way you framed it, too, because I think the guys that have the chance, the best chance to make it to the next level are, like you said, the guys in the trenches. You know, Logan Taylor's a really high-level offensive tackle. I think he's going to be a two-, three-year starter at UVA. Mm-hmm. You know, Bryce Carter, who they just pick up. Bryce Carter comes in at a very similar pedigree as Jawan Briggs did. You know, he's a guy that most likely is going to play pretty significantly for three if not four years at uva but you know going down and i'm just looking at the 24 7 list of recruits right now but you look at our top recruits you know defensive tackle offensive tackle outside linebacker quarterback guard defensive end linebacker quarterback defensive end you know it's not until you get to the middle to bottom half of the class until we get our first skill player you know Mm -hmm. josiah davis who's a wide receiver and then you know, we start getting the athletes who are going to be in the secondary and at wide receiver. We've got a running back, Ahmad Foss, in there. So it's really kind of the opposite of what we had in Mike London, right? Yeah. You know, I think the staff has done a great job recruiting the trenches, offensive line, especially picking up now. You know, defensive line, they've done well. Um, linebackers, the staff loves to recruit linebackers, um, and they do a great job at it. But, you know, where could we do better recruiting-wise? I still think Nick Howell is a great position coach even with the struggles they had this year. Maybe he shouldn't be doing play-calling duties. Tough to say. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we haven't had the best success the past few years recruiting defensive backs. A lot of these recruits we've brought in, you know, are two, three years in the system now and haven't seen the field, which isn't a great sign. You know, wide receiver, I think Marcus Hagens, in terms of player development, is one of the best on the staff. But, you know, we haven't really brought in a lot of high-end wide receiver talent um recruiting wise and running backs you know admittedly if i'm a running back i'm kind of questioning the uva system just given you know how little we've used the running backs and and what way we use them recently so we haven't brought in super high-end level running back talent either so mm-hmm. it is really interesting when you frame it that way just kind of how the roster is constructed is almost the complete opposite you know for better or for worse than it was with mike london Right, exactly. And like you talk about running backs not wanting to come here. I mean, we rushed Brendan Armstrong for 15 times and running backs had four carries in the game against Tech. I mean, what what kind of running back is going to want to say, I want to go play for this school where I'm just going to block the whole time, right? I mean, that's kind of a weird situation. So it's hard to sell it if you're not going to, you know, play them like that. I just I just think it's kind of interesting, um, you know, the kind of recruits we get really really focus in on like if you focus in on what kind of recruits we get and which ones do well you're going to see that's the kind of things that the staff really stresses offensive linemen defensive linemen linebackers and of course their quarterbacks the those big strong quarterbacks that can run and throw certainly and you know part of that is intentional and from a roster management standpoint i mean remember when bronco came here you know kind of the first reason we didn't have a spring game is because he thought we didn't have the offensive lines on the roster to field kind of two teams during those spring games and we still haven't had a spring game i think last year was the first time we could go more than two deep on an offensive line during summer camp so you got to have those guys i mean it wasn't that long ago that you know we were really really reaching for 
anyone to help on the defensive line either. So, you know, from a roster management standpoint, you know, you do have to give credit to Bronco and the staff. You know, they built out the numbers on the offensive and defensive lines. Last class was a good starting point, and this class really especially as well. Um, we're starting to bring in some highly recruited guys in there as well. We're starting to get the talent to kind of get on the same level as the numbers. But, yeah, I mean, we don't run this kind of sexy offensive system where we have all these skill players on the outside and we're getting it into these playmakers' hands, unless that playmaker is a quarterback, really. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think we have seen kind of recruiting dip at the running back and receiver position. And the secondary is a little bit interesting. I, You know, you would think you'd be able to recruit at a higher level in the secondary just based on, you know, guys like Tim Harris, Juan Thornhill, Bryce Hall, like you said, that are in the NFL right now and have had success um, at Virginia. But at the same time, you know, we've had two pretty rough secondaries the past two years as well. Right. So it is really interesting following these trends because it wasn't that long ago that the concern was, you know, can 2J recruit? It turns out he can. And then, yeah. you know, Dick Sohoto leaves and it's what's going to happen on the defensive line. Well, now Clint Sendham just brought in. Uh, Bryce Carter so I think we're okay there so it is really interesting following these trends and something that certainly keeps me at least engaged throughout the offseason yeah so it'll be it'll be fun watching that thanks for bringing that up Rob Rob is there any last thing you want to talk about with football before we move on to sad basketball news (laughs) I mean if we're gonna get if we're gonna talk about sad basketball we might as well just get it over with because it is kind of (laughs) sad Might as well get it over. But before we get into basketball, I want to talk about our sponsors from Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be in a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, and we are also sponsored by Manscaped. Ho ho ho, fellas! Naughty or nice, tis the season to perform. You are in luck because the Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle and makes for the perfect gift. Imagining opening an attractive box that says "Your balls will thank you" with the most sought-after gadgets and scents a person could find. Included in this new package is the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which is waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Look, guys, 79% of their partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Why not use the best tools for the job? This bundle also includes the Lawn Mower 3.0 Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body. Tis the season to Manscaped, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, and friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package. Let's not forget their famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine. Get the Performance Package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. The Performance Package is the best value that Manscaped has to offer and it is hot off the shelves. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Thank you, Manscaped, for making our holes look sexy. So let's dive right into basketball. Um, We're shut down right now. We have not played since the 4th of December. We don't have another game until planned. We don't have another game planned until the... 30th against Notre Dame, which is at Notre Dame. Um, Rob, we've had to cancel against Michigan State 
who is ranked number four, and Villanova, who is ranked number seven. How do you, like, what are your overall just initial thoughts about this? Initial thought with Michigan State was, man, I was just super bummed out. You know, on our last podcast, we were talking about how looking forward to it we were. Um, Villanova also super bummed, but also just kind of the reality that, hey, this season's going to be a struggle. You know, it, mm-hmm. if it was just a one-time thing against Michigan State, it's, you know, oh, a little bump in the road, we'll get through this. You know, Villanova, assuming that game gets canceled, as John Rossine has reported, um, that'll be kind of the fourth game in a row that gets postponed or canceled for us. You know, yeah. Michigan State, William & Mary, Wake Forest, now Villanova. Um, it sucks. You know, just from a pure fan standpoint, I would have loved to see us play Michigan State and Villanova especially. And if you want to look at it from kind of a more realistic um, or I guess a bit more tangible kind of strength of schedule, you know, March Madness sense, you know, those were two kind of premier non-conference opponents. So, you know, I think everything is going to be a bit cloudy this year as far as tournament goes. But this wasn't only just an opportunity for us as fans, you know, it was an opportunity for the players and the team to put um, a signature win on their resume. So, you know, no one came out ahead here. Everyone's sad and disappointed and just is what it is. Yeah, it's it's really sad because not only does this, you know, take away two really great games and games that we probably would have been able to find out a lot more about this team, but it also takes away from two really good tournament games, you know, games that would have helped our tournament resume. You know, we've we've had so much talk in the past couple of years about, you know, does Tony do enough to to get, you know, good non-conference games to get on his tournament resume? And he's over the past couple of years, he's done that scheduling more and more teams like Villanova to bo- bolster that that resume. But when we cancel those games, and I'm not even saying there's going to be a tournament this year, but if we cancel those games, there's just no way that we're going to be able to make that up. And it's just really, you know, terrible right now that we can't, you know, do it. We can't make it up. For sure. And, you know, it's weird because I kind of have two different thoughts on this, you know, in one sense, I'm kind of sitting here, you know, like, well, our hands are tied, you know, COVID's COVID. It's certainly not just a UVA problem. It's a world problem. And, you know, I kind of feel like, in some sense, we're back to kind of how we were in March and April when sports shut down. It's just like, what are we really supposed to do? But then there's the other sense that says, you know, some teams are able to do this successfully. And, you know, I'm a little bit perplexed that the NCAA really didn't have a better plan coming into the college basketball season, just as a general whole. You know, we've seen so, like, it's not just Virginia. Like, so many teams have had games canceled or put, um, you know, team activities on pause. And, you know, you open the season in quote-unquote bubbleville, and there's a lot of teams there and it's kind of surprising. And even as Virginia had their opponents changed, you know, it's kind of surprising that the NCAA didn't go more towards that environment um, to allow more games to happen or that, you know, some teams, you know, Villanova and Virginia Tech are great examples. You know, Villanova wanted to play another game in Bubbleville. So they did against Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. They lost, but they were kind of aware of the fact that, Hey, games are going to be hard to get in this year. We're already in the bubble. We might as well play. Um, so also kind of surprising that maybe there wasn't as much of a mindset on 
similar to that, you know, both by the teams and also the NCAA. So I just think it's, I think this season certainly could have been managed better. I think anytime things go poorly, it's easy to say it could have been managed better. But, you know, you'd think with, you know, what, eight, nine months to prepare for this, that they would have been a bit more well put together than what we're seeing right now. Yeah, I just, I feel like, there was a missed opportunity, especially with Bubbleville. You know, bring you bring up a great point. Michigan, uh, not Michigan State, Villanova stayed an extra game to play. You know, I feel like UVA could have, especially, stayed an extra day or two to play another game. You know, you're looking at teams that were there for you know a week and a half, maybe two weeks. And UVA, you know, we played two games and we got out of there. But I re- I kind of wish that the NCAA had been more serious about having specific bubble venues to for a lot of teams to stay in you know it's not like there's a huge um national market um national brand sports uh pro not program but like conference i'm talking about the nba the nba did this right they had all their teams in one place at disney they were able to do it uh no i mean there's a couple breaches but they sent those players home or they they made them lock up it was just like really confusing that i don't think the ncaa kind of took the same route and i'm a little surprised that they didn't because the bubble in the nba worked really well and i wish that they had thought about that a little bit more for sure and it's certainly harder in a college environment but at the same time you know we didn't even really hear proposals from the NCAA. It was just kind of, you know, the season's going to go on as planned. And, you know, here are kind of the protocols with quarantining and whatnot. Right. You know, I I think I was hopeful that basketball could go off a bit more smoothly than football just because of the smaller roster sizes. My thought being it'd be easier to, you know, keep guys, you know, more contained and hopefully stop the spread of the virus. But mm-hmm. I think what we're really discovering is that that's, not the case and that in the basketball team there's a much smaller margin for error that if one person does get the virus or one person does get exposed you know pretty much everyone is on the hook as far as contact tracing goes so there's just a much smaller margin for error and you know it's just a situation that you really wish there was just better leadership in the NCAA better leadership in our conferences or among the conferences working together to really figure out a better way to move this forward. And I'm not saying I have all the answers. It's easy for me to be an armchair quarterback and say this this can and should be done better. But at the same time, I do feel like there was just not the effort put into this that there should have been. Right. And it's not really UVA's fault. I mean, I mean, a little, I mean, a little bit is UVA's fault. I mean, we, we have had to cancel or postpone three games at least maybe four now at this point due to COVID um michigan state william and mary wake forest we were supposed to play on uh tomorrow wednesday and of course villanova this saturday but i mean this covid has been infecting a lot of people and i haven't heard uh, if the players are showing symptoms or if the staff is showing symptoms or, or what what's going on um i certainly hope everyone's okay it's just a tough time to play basketball and a lot of teams and a lot of other teams have already been facing this, you know, shutting down for weeks at a time, uh, especially in football too. So, I mean, I think we're super lucky as fans not to have experienced this yet. We've been on the other side where teams have canceled against us and we're like, ah, grumble, grumble. We did this a whole lot, 
you know, against for Florida State and for Virginia Tech. And now it's kind of like, oh, like this, this feels bad. Like we, like it feels bad to have to cancel, but also because it's like your team's fault that you had to cancel. It's just kind of, you know, it's a crappy situation and I just hope everyone's okay. And I hope that we can have uh, basketball at some point. Yeah. I mean, that's really a question, right? It's when does basketball come back? Is it as easy as saying, hopefully we're back by the 30th against Notre Dame? You know, that's certainly the hope. Yeah. Um, but that means kind of we're, if so, we're done with non-conference play. So we'll just dive right into the conference season. Right. Again, it's just weird sports. And I don't know, man, like someday we'll <laughs> tell people, yeah, I remember like 2020, 2021 sports seasons, how weird they were, but that's kind of honestly where we're at. Um, and there's really, you know, at this point, the season started, we're going, I don't think the NCAA, unless things get really dire is, you know, just cannot afford monetarily to cancel this season right. um, or make any sort of major adjustments to this season. So it's going to go on. And I just hope our team UVA specifically is um, ready to go, hopefully by the 30th. Yeah, I, I hope we are, and I hope that we're able to, you know, kind of fix whatever's going on within the program and kind of tighten up some of those protocols and whatnot. I think Tony's got a good handle on it. Although, honestly, you know, I'm I'm kind of worried about the season anyway. I mean, before before the shutdowns, you know, we, it, you know, last Tuesday we were talking about, like, you know, well, that game against, you know, Kent State was tough, but you know, hopefully we can turn around against Michigan State. I mean, what's going to happen when this team hasn't practiced in a week? Or, you know, it could be two weeks by the time they start practicing again, and then they have a game against a scrappy Notre Dame team that just um, that was 10 away from beating, I think it was Gonzaga. It wasn't Gonzaga. It was, it was a good team, and they beat Kentucky, who, you know, I think might be bad now. But, you know, they, they lost by 10. Notre Dame lost by 10 to Michigan State and they beat Kentucky. So this Notre Dame team isn't bad, and we could certainly lose on the road at Notre Dame. I just think that I, I really wish we had those two games to really see what this team is made of. Is this team the team that everyone thought it would be, that a team that is Final Four bound and a national champion uh, defend, title defenders, or is this going to be a team that the pieces don't quite fit and Tony doesn't quite get the sense of how to play players with each other I think we'll get there I just think that playing more games is going to help out this team and you know not playing those games is going to be really difficult to figure out what this team is made of yeah I mean not even games just practices too you know we haven't practiced really in a while yeah and the idea was that we were going to start practicing tomorrow Wednesday um, if all the tests came back clean to hopefully get a few days of practice and at least two Wednesday and Thursday before Villanova on Saturday so you know, no games, limited practices, mm-hmm. certainly not the recipe for success. No, no. And, and I just hope that, you know, we can figure it out and, you know, make sure it, we get what we need because I, I think this team can do really well. And I, I hope that they're able to play more games. I hope that they don't shut the season down. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a, I don't think they're considering that right now, but I think that if we keep, if we're not able to, keep it under control i think that they might start to um they might start to think about that yeah and i mean that'd be a huge bummer but 
things would have to be things would have to go really really south because you know like we said just the NCAA the individual schools I mean <laughs> monetarily they need this season right. so it's gonna have to, it's gonna take a lot to shut down the season I don't think it'll get there I hope it doesn't get to the point where it's even under further consideration of what we're talking about right now right um, but it's it's, it's just frustrating, especially as a UVA fan. You know, such high hopes coming into the season. You know, we're seeing this team struggle a little bit, you know, certainly more than we expected. And then, you know, having marquee non-conference opponents wiped off the schedule and having your development of the team potentially stalled. You know, I think we've covered all the points. It's just, it all just boils down to it's super frustrating to us as fans. You know, it was so weird because, you know, we, we were doing so in football, we were doing so bad in like September and October, we lost four in a row. And, you know, you heard grumbling was like, oh, well, you know, basketball is going to be great this season. So I'm looking forward to that. And then basketball starts. Of course, we lose our second game to San Francisco. And people are like, well, you know, we just beat Boston College. So maybe, maybe we'll be able to beat Tech. And now, and of course, the next games get canceled. And of course, we lose to Tech. And now we have nothing to look forward to right now. So it's just... um it's just not a great outlook on anything right now. Everything is terrible. Um, COVID's ruining more than I thought. But I do want to say this. Um, I was thinking about the tech loss a lot on Saturday night. And I was thinking about, you know, how I would have felt in, you know, June or July or August, you know, when we had no sports, even in March and April and May when we had no sports. And I was thinking about, you know, we have sports back, football is back, NFL's back, NBA is starting up again, college basketball is back, we're going to have baseball in the spring, we're going to have hockey again. I think it's just a good reminder to think about, you know, what we didn't have in the spring and the summer of 2020 and just to think about how it's nice to have sports again, even though sports I really hate sports sometimes. You know, I hate how much I get into these games, but it's good to have them back. And I'm just thankful that we're able to have some sports, even if we do get crushed by our in-state rivals. Man, I mean, I remember um, this tweet that <laughs> I think it was um, Tucker Martin. He tweeted it. It was like a year or two ago. And it was like, it's, it's long story short. It's like, it's just amazing. Like how, days and weeks of our lives can be totally ruined by just how 18 to 20 year old student mm -hmm. athletes are playing at one point or another. But right. we love it, man. That's why we do it. That's why we do it. That's why we talk about it. And uh, Rob, it's been a pleasure talking about it with you tonight. Is there anything else you want to mention for basketball? I know we kind of, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I feel like that was a good way to wrap it up. Is there anything else you want to mention? No, man. I mean, that's kind of where we're at, right? I mean, we don't know when our next game is going to be. And um, we haven't played any games since the yeah. last um, podcast. So, yeah. you know, just kind of where we are. Yeah. About an hour of good ranting here. Um, and as always, a pleasure to do with Rob. But thank you guys so much for listening. This is the Guys and Ties podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Snapchat for all that bonus content at Guys and Ties Pod. Go ahead and follow us on iTunes and Spotify if you would like to keep listening. And make sure to check out Armchair Sports or Armchair Media. They've got a whole bunch of podcasts about all your favorite kind of sports. 
And of course, you know, NFL is back. NBA is coming back soon. A bunch of college sports as well. Check them out. And we will see you guys. You know, I don't know if we'll have a podcast until for a while because I'm going back home safely next week. Rob, what are you doing for the holidays? Yeah, same with you, man. I'll be uh, heading home and I don't know. Maybe I'll be back before New Year's. We'll see. I mean, hey, we don't even know what games we'll have or when right. they'll show up. So. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes, but we'll see y'all next time. As always, go who's. <laughs>